What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, many of you know that this show can only exist with your support. Mainly, it'd be weird if Buzz and I were talking and no one was listening. But more than that, I rely on your generous financial support in order to keep the show running on all cylinders. This is a fully independent podcast run by me and a few of my best friends. And unlike so many podcasts, we don't have a major multinational media conglomerate backing us with promotion and tech and all the rest of it. So when you get a chance, make sure to stop by our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow and sign up for at least $1 per month. You'll hardly miss it and you'll be supporting the show in the best way possible. Don't forget to tell all your friends too. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Thank you in advance and now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. In a taco truck in Eagle Rock, that's one I go to, and I just overheard the guy's conversation. He was finishing up his order, and the guy goes, So, bro, my mom told me not to eat the cilantro if it's from Mexico, because they're shitting in it. To get back at Trump. <laughs> I said, well, don't get me wrong, I'm all for a good Trump takedown, uh, but I'm not sure if they've got that level of organization going on in Mexican cilantro field. <laughs> all right, everyone gather round. Let's all start brainstorming. <laughs> no idea is a bad idea. <laughs> yes, crazy Eddie. Okay. <laughs> This is a little outside the box. <laughs> but I say we shit in the fucking cilantro. Bob Seska. Bob. 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 The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> the great Al Madrigal. That was from an episode of uh, Anthony Bourdain in Los Angeles. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, August 6, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. It is the greatest soap in the universe. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, it's day 929 of the Trump crisis, day 93 of the constitutional crisis, 455 days until the 2020 presidential election. And, oh, it's my good friend sitting right over there. It's Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. Bob, 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 Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. Oh, Hi. man. Uh, I just... I just 
I just got back from the airport uh, just in time for the show. Just barely made it here today. Well, first of all, I don't know if you noticed, but the plane had to circle a couple of times before landing. Oh, uh, that's true. I, really? That's an, insi- that's, that's an inside joke. No, really, I mean, I, what a wasted trip this was for me. I mean, why the hell did I go to Toledo? <laughs> Home of the mud hens, home of Tony Paco's Hungarian style hot dogs. Trump, That's Trump loves right. those Hunger. hot dogs. That's- yeah. Oh, oh, hey, Bob, could you hold this hubcap? Could you hold this hubcap that I stole while sure. I call on our? Li- I want to call on our listeners to condemn stealing. So if you could do that, <laughs> I'll take it off your hands. Thank you. Remember, it's the mental illness that drives the show, That's not the right. microphones. Okay. <laughs> No, but seriously, like the president and Joe Biden, I too am worried about uh, the effects of violent media. Mm-hmm. I worry that I worry that all that time I spent watching Wiley Coyote cartoons going to make me want to push a boulder off a cliff. <laughs> you too? God, I was yeah, just so yeah. tempted to do that well, all day. Well, now you know where we got that. <laughs> but right. Speaking, speaking. I, I see Mad- Mitch McConnell's falling down on the job again. <laughs> What a shame. Everyone, thoughts and prayers to uh, Moscow Mitch. (laughs) Yeah, poor Mitch. Everybody, he's Bob, I'm Buzz, we are both white, and we we are dipping into the Kool-Aid when we don't even know what that means. Ah, that is true, right. All right, my friend. That's what I have for you this week. Outstanding work. Uh, Okay, so, you know, I thought before we uh, jumped in headfirst into all the events from this past weekend that there was a bit of news that I saw across my desk uh, recently. And I said, you know, this is important and maybe we need to rise up here on the show and address this with a new feature. Now, first, let me back up. But the news story specifically is that July was officially the hottest month that humans have ever recorded since record-keeping began more than a century ago. It eclipsed the previous record holder, which was July of 2016. We're going way back to July of 2016 for the previous record holder, right? While we've been paying attention to the president and Russians and racists and uh, people with guns, uh, the the world has been ending Uh, (laughs) very rapidly. So, you know, we both deserve our attention, I believe. I think so. And I think what we need to do here on the show is provide a public service. And we did this on Friday's After Party, and I thought I'd do this again. Uh, We have a new weather reporter, a new weather forecaster here on the show. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath. Did you hear the bait? Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is uh, our, our new weather reporter. We thought we'd do this. I mean, my God, what uh, we have to do is at least alert people to when it's going to be blazing hot and there might be there might actually be a chance of a tornado. <laughs> Here's people, our new <laughs> people need fair warning. And this is our contribution to that. this is it. The Bob Show. The weather. Weekend weather. Hey, this is Tiger Grandma with another weather report. It's raining like hell. It's hot. It's shit. It's humid, and there's a slight chance of a tornado tonight, and my plans got canceled. I had a date, but he's too chicken shit to drive in the fucking rain, and I was planning on getting me some sausage, so I am actually pissed the fuck off, and I'm going in the fucking house. Weekend weather! Yes, it is. There we go. 
That's right. Our new, our new meteorologist, ladies and gentlemen. Doing our best to pass along to you all the latest developments in uh, weather and climate. Okay. We'll keep you posted. She'll keep you posted. That's actually uh, Angry Grandma. We played Angry yes. Grandma on the show on Friday, and my God. Sometimes I want to strangle the internet. Other times I just want to hug the internet and say, thank you, yeah. internet, for helping us to laugh in all the well, tragedy. Here's, here's my problem, and this won't surprise you i was raised by hillbillies uh and you? yeah no i was raised among them uh, certainly to a large degree and i i know them well right right um and i can't tell if that's real or not there are a number of things on the internet some of them good uh there's one where there's a, a redneck sitting in his pickup truck talking about his experience at a black picnic and it's a it's a beautiful story. It's it's an important story. I'm not sure it's real. Yeah. And I, I have the same problem with grandma here. And I'm a pretty gullible guy, but I'm <laughs> I'm like on the fence uh, because I kind of know that uh, this is real, but part of me has some doubts about it. I mean, having known these people and walked among them, <laughs> I, I, I know uh, what to expect. Yeah. And it's partly there and partly not. So I, I just put a little asterisk. I, something you should know about our meteorologists because we, we like... <laughs> We like to we like to leave it up to the media to vet our people. America has to laugh, right? I know you're right, and I didn't mean to take that away from you. Just like I said, as a person who's walked among them, uh, I just I just it it had to be said. That's right. My favorite thing about Angry Grandma is not just the tornadoes. My favorite yes. thing about Angry Grandma is the fact that she uses whatever's lying around as a microphone. Like in this particular clip, she's got a a can of uh, Lay's potato chips, almost like a Pringles can of Lay's potato chips, and she's using that as a microphone because initially yes. i didn't know why the hell she was holding that i turned to kimberly and i was like is that product placement what is that why is she holding that thing and kimberly informed me oh that's her microphone she just uses items from around the kitchen as a microphone and i said that is the greatest thing in the world just like me i mean i'm not talking into you an actual mic a, as, well we did that as kids right? <laughs> yeah exactly right exactly the handle right. of a jump rope did very nicely you could be bob barker if you wanted to all right so you know we, we start out with a few laughs here but we're gonna get serious because uh you know the events of the past uh, few days have been immensely serious yeah. and the number of things that we need to cover uh, what I'm hoping to do is to avoid the usual tropes. And, and this happens because this is happening so often with these gun massacres where we almost end up. And, and I really look at the cable news media in particular as being uh, guilty of this, where it's almost like oh, God, a, yes. it's almost yeah. like a post shooting Mad Libs that they fill in. You know, this is like, OK, well, it's like we need a noun, a verb here, an adjective, and we'll just fill in all the blanks with the usual crap. And the thing that I keep coming back to, Buzz, is the pervasiveness of the gun culture in this country and, and how sure. we so often end up in the aftermath of a shooting like this with the wrong ideas. We start looking at the wrong things. Certainly the president oh, sure. right now is looking at the wrong things. If I mean, not directing us to look at the wrong things. Let's look at mental illness. Let's look at mm -hmm. video games, even though we know that video right. games in particular are popular around the world. I mean, immensely popular in so many parts of the world. Germany, Japan, Australia, England, France, South Korea, and the Netherlands all spend more time per capita on video games than we do here in the United States. All of say them do. Bob, yeah. Say, Bob, they don't have a gun violence problem. <laughs> no. I mean, the rate of gun violence is significantly lower in those nations 
jaw-droppingly so. I mean, so it can't be video games causing this. And the thing we need to zero in on is uh, in terms of tackling this, not just uh, tackling the supply of guns with new uh, gun regulations. Because as far as I'm concerned, the kind of gun regulations we need should be basically the same as as regulations on cars and drivers, right? I mean, right. everyone's fine. Are, yeah, the guns are already out there, and although some may be bought back, uh, uh, they're, they're going to stay out there. That's not going to change. We can maybe slow the flow into our streets of guns. We can, I think, as you said, regulate them as we would a car or anything else. Gun owners should be regulated like drivers, people who own right. cars and drive cars. Uh, guns should be regulated like cars. There should be certain safety mechanisms. There needs to be certain rules about how you use them out in the world and so on. These are are all things that need to happen what what is it what does it say in the second amendment well regulated I well regulated phrase. yes yeah. exactly and we always miss that certainly the 2a fetishists always miss right. that well regulated uh, uh, hyphenated word there in the second amendment mm-hmm. uh but in addition to tackling the supply of guns through new regulations i think what the main thing that we need to do and the main thing that we always end up overlooking whether it's the climate uh-huh. crisis whether it's personal health with pharmaceuticals right. and so on we we never tackle patient zero. We never go after the the centerpiece, the cause, the root of the problem. And as far as I'm concerned, and speaking specifically about El Paso and the disaffected young loner who committed that atrocity in El Paso right. over the weekend, um, we have an entire generation of young disaffected men, young mm-hmm. in their 20s, basically the, the shooter in El Paso being a fairly typical representation of these people who are radicalized online. But we can't overlook the fact that this is a generation of young men who have been raised post 9-11. And one of the things that happened after 9-11 is it became even more so than when it started back in the 1980s. It really hit a fever pitch after 9-11. The idea that the way we solve problems in this country is at the point of a gun, is at the end of a Patriot missile, The people we look to to guide us as a nation, the people we look up to, the people we vote for, the people we dedicate hours of our lives to supporting and so on, and we see them on the news and in our living rooms and on our Twitter feeds every damn day, they are telling us that not only is it patriotic to solve problems using guns, but it is masculine. It is... I'm not just yeah. I'm not just saying this. I'm not just saying this to make Kimberly my friend, but <laughs> I, it sounds like the problem here. Yeah, the problem here is testosterone. It, it really it is that, but it is the use of testosterone. You know, you can you can have yeah. testosterone and get no, out I, okay. I should have said an excess of testosterone right. or a, a desire for an excess of testosterone. Maybe it's a lack of testosterone. Anyway, end of the day, testosterone. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't disagree with you. That is absolutely part of this uh, influence that is uh, being generated in this country, especially in the it's, last it's 20 macho. years or so. Yeah, exactly. It's machismo. It's yeah. about being yeah. tough. Uh, guys who support Trump mm-hmm. do so because they think they're tough. Yeah. They think he's tough, and they think the answer to everything is being tough, uh, whether it's with a fist or a missile or or a gun. Yeah, uh, it, you know, and I've always said it, it's the cowboy culture too, to a large extent. Yeah. It's this, 
it's this fascination we have with with guns. We've we've always been this way. I've told the story on your show before. I won't repeat it, but the time I met the Brits who said their impression uh, as they arrived in America for their first visit was cowboys. That's what they were expecting to see. <laughs> right. and this was in the this was in the 1980s, not the 1880s, the 1980s. Oh, yeah. Even though we the, the I think the Continental Air Force was flying back in the 1880s, but 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 and it was in the 1980s that that this happened. This it was a recent thing, and I, and I've heard it. You know, we hear it from around the world that yeah. we're that that's how we are. That we're and 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 it's true, mm-hmm. and it it all ties in with what you're saying here. And I've long said that the problem of this, and this is where you and I strongly agree, is the problem of this is is in our psyche, is in our yeah. national psyche. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and 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 the fact now added to that that we got a shitload of guns out there. Yeah, and it's baked into our national DNA. I'm glad you brought this up, Buzz, because that's all part of it. That's all uh, lead up. It's preface to where we are now, whether it's our revolutionary founding, where we founded this country at the point of a gun, uh, whether it's the the conquering of the West, whether it's the driving out of the indigenous people in North America. These are all things uh, that we have always revered, and it, it creates almost this sacrosanct culture around what is really a retail product. It is a piece of hardware where during the frontier times, it was a necessary tool with which to survive. Now it's nothing but this fetishistic military cosplay item that it's so profoundly marketed to susceptible Americans while exploiting the Second Amendment as a convenient marketing tool in that endeavor. Right. Well, so, while trying to avoid tropes, uh, it's that it's that uh, high tech, uh, you know, that that love of that sort of machinery that uh, has led us to to people having military style weapons on yeah. the, on the streets. Yeah, and so this goes so far beyond. I mean, I, I don't want to. You know when the Constitution was written and what kind of guns they had then and what it took to reload them and what we compared to what we have today. And and by the way, uh, on this subject of high tech, uh, these magazines, the high capacity magazines, yeah. uh, the ability to to, to fire a hundred bullets in uh, you know mere minutes. Uh, to kill so many people in seconds. Uh, this was never meant to be. No. This is not, this is not, it, it, we were never meant to have the right to bear these arms. Right, right. We're not, we're not saying you don't have that right. We're saying uh, nobody said anything about this. Well, you know, we were never meant to have a standing army either or a gigantic nuclear arsenal. And these are all things that have risen up after World War II mm-hmm. that have now become commonplace. And yeah. so I, I really can't, overlook the fact that many of our most influential real-world leaders are real-world influencers, so to speak. And I'm not talking about video game characters like the Master Chief and the Super Mario and all the rest of them. It's not even barely even close to the idea of a president or a member of the United States Senate or people on cable news in our lives all the time, influencing how we think, uh, real-world issues, right? And so what they are telling us... While Donald Trump and the GOP are desperately trying to sidetrack this entire debate by using the NRA-defined scapegoats, video games and mental illness, every time we hear these things, factors that absolutely exist in dozens of other nations, as we said earlier, where mass shootings are statistically non-existent, we need to instead take a harder and more critical look at the bellicosity of our political leaders who, I could cite a thousand examples from today alone, 
explain to us that solving a problem by shooting at it is not just the only option, but the noble and patriotic one. That is the atmosphere. That is the climate that the El Paso shooter has been raised in. And then we look yeah, at... Yeah, he and others, not everybody, yeah. certainly, and, and not even all gun owners, I, right, I don't right. think. Uh, uh, you know, again, well, I, I'll avoid the tropes. Okay, <laughs> good enough. But I mean, you look at an example here, like Chuck Grassley this weekend is going to a gun shoot event. Uh-huh. This, this coming up weekend. Uh, he's uh, talking about tone deaf. But I mean, this is a great example of the kind of thing that our leaders are uh, are telling us, the, the example that they're setting for us. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, Moscow Mitch, set up a bunch of gravestones for uh, Amy I McGrath. Yeah, you know, my sweet. God, th- th- again, these are the types of influencers that uh, that we're looking at in the news every damn day. It's not and people eat it up. Americans are a certain percentage of Americans are eating it up with a spoon. Yeah, um, that's that's again, as I said last week, the most terrifying part of this. Not so much the individuals of Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell as horrifying as mm. they are, uh, but the people who happily and mindlessly support them. Part of the problem too, Buzz, is I think our use of military force to solve problems around the world rather than other uh, uh, more diplomatic solutions and so on. Because there are myriad diplomatic solutions that we can confront with with, with any problem. I mean, these are things that we reward our politicians for doing these things. But the the problem is, is that we no longer in the post-Vietnam era have any real skin in the game when it comes to those military excursions overseas. Right. That's true. We, yeah. we have an entire generation of men in particular who don't get drafted, who uh, have this fetishistic view of military action overseas, a fetishistic view of uh, military-style firearms, that they're now playing dress them up I mean, I, every day I scroll through my news feed on Facebook, and I don't know why it's they're, they're targeting me because I have nothing to do with this shit. Maybe it's because of the research that I do. <laughs> what could but, it be? Yeah, but I mean, all I see are ads for tactical gear marketed to civilians who probably couldn't find a theater of war on a map if they had a gps and a flashlight there's no way that all of these men are uh, in any danger whatsoever of actually seeing combat so again it becomes a game it becomes something that you can just do in your free time because after all you can get the guns you can get the uh, the body armor you can get the special gloves and the special pants where you can put your clips and your what you know these are things that are 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 so are you our, saying I'm, I'm i'm trying to keep up here you're saying then that domestic terrorists for example yeah are 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 playing soldier or are, are dressing up as soldiers and playing soldiers is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly right. That's, okay. I mean, that's what's right. happening. Right. And at the same time, again, I, I'm looking at the culture of firearms yeah. in this country right. as being the source, being the centerpiece of why we continue to have these problems. Because, again, we have people who figure, well, if uh, Donald Trump and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan well. and George H.W., if they're all solving problems with guns, why not me? And so that they, they see an invasion. They hear a racist president talking about... About, uh, things reflecting white supremacist dogma and so they say well look this is a good enough cause we're being invaded might as well go to war and that's what the kid in El Paso did he went to war but first he got a sandwich and then went back in and went to war <laughs> I, I well, mean yeah. again fuel up. yeah again it's 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 no damn wonder the tools are available the idea that again right. 
we have retail products that are being marketed to us. I mean, make no mistake that the NRA is tasked with one thing, Buzz, and that is to sell as many guns as possible. And they will say and do anything in order to achieve that goal. And one of those things that they do is to use the Second Amendment to bastardize it and use it as a uh, as a convenient marketing tool. Oh, we got this thing in the Constitution, but don't touch our guns because it's sacred and undeniable. Right. You cannot touch our firearms because right there in the Second Amendment says, I can have as many firearms as I want. It's, I mean, it's not about protecting the Constitution or liberty. It's about no, protecting uh, it hasn't been for decades. The, the profit margins of the gun manufacturers. That's well, what that is oh, all okay. about. Man, you've give, you've given me a lot to work with. I should have taken notes. Uh, <laughs> I can repeat anything if you need me to. Uh, you know, as far as the NRA, I'll, I'll try to work my way backward. Uh, yeah. The good news, I think, about the NRA is although we can still see their influence on Republican lawmakers, uh, that influence is shrinking. Their yep. ability to help these senators get reelected financially has mm-hmm. shrunk. Uh, the NRA, uh, the division within the NRA, uh, uh, continues to to fester uh, even after Ollie North left. Uh, they, they, it's still a deeply divided organization and remains under state and federal investigation, uh, D.C., New York, and at the federal level. Uh, so I, this comes this battle comes at a good time. Yeah. Now, uh, we established earlier, you and I agree, that uh, the root problem here is the culture. Is this yes. is this violent? Is this is this gun f- gun for penis culture? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and uh, you know, so we. I I want to come back to that. I we know that there are things we could do immediately to stem the tide of guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do to fix the culture? How do you propose? There are lots of good solutions, yeah. I think, uh, legislatively to the gun problem and, mm-hmm. and from an enforcement standpoint and, and from a judicial standpoint. What can we, anybody, do about this culture you and I have described? Yeah, well, I think one of the things we have to do is start looking at our national defense in the correct way. And I've got a couple of answers to your question. So this, this, this being the first one, I mean, what we do with our national defense is rather than using it as just a, a blanket yeah, of but, protection, okay, we, we're, okay. we're really, we're super rah-rah and patriotic about it rather than just I saying we need a strong one. I don't disagree, but we have a more pressing problem. We have people dying on the streets in this country. Yes, but... And, you, but, and, and, but and, yeah. and I understand, and I understand we have to address that root problem, and we have to stop doing those uh, aggressive overseas things. But right now, we have a crisis on our hands that I think, and and I hate to see us distract from that with a discussion of what we do militarily. It's relevant. It's worth mentioning, and it's absolutely a priority uh, in my mind to get back to right after we deal with the blood on our own streets. Well, I mean, one of the ways we deal with the blood on our own streets is to confront the issue the same way we confronted big tobacco, for example. All right, Uh so the way we have reached a point where smoking and smokers have been kind of ostracized to the awnings and bus shelters, right? Where right. we just, it's its something that over a couple of decades of, uh, of effort, we not only were able to cut the supply, but we were able to change the demand too by saying that mm-hmm. smoking is bad and you're right. kind of gross and weird if you're also a smoker. And I so agree that, with where you're going here. Exactly right. Well, so what I'm doing with the other thing with regard to guns is I'm likewise 
addressing both the supply and the demand. The demand Mm -hmm. comes from this patriotic, masculine drive to use firearms to solve problems. I'm making a case for the idea that we use guns to solve problems. We have a shoot first attitude some in this country. Do. Yeah, yeah. Some do. Yeah, well, and that and that drives our citizens to take on the same attitude. Now, uh, that's what I think is driving the demand. The supply itself, well, that's simple. Get the guns. Institute regulations that slow the supply of guns. Make it more difficult for people to buy guns and to use guns. And that, I mean, those solutions, we've got an entire roster of legislation. Right. Oh, I like I said, there are a lot of good ideas for doing that. It, and it just, you know, and, and I agree that the culture needs to be addressed yeah. too. And and I agree with you also. I've said for a long time that I think the the secret to breaking this, if I could figure out how to do it, is to make uh, guns and that the gun culture not cool, which is basically yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Right. Well, and, and again, one of the reasons why it's cool is because of all all of our leadership goes, hey, you know what? We've got a problem with Iran. Let's bomb them. That'll be great for popularity. And everyone goes, yay, let's get out our yellow ribbons and our Lee Greenwood songs and celebrate. And that's what that's how we look at war now. And we got to stop looking at war that way because looking at war that way is causing us to look at interpersonal problems using the same template, right? We can't solve this problem with the invasion of Mexicans into our uh, country. So what do we do? Well, we do just like our political leadership does, and we shoot them. You know, and that's and to me that is I'm not yeah, that's the I, influence yeah. that drives our need to use guns. There is a need in this country for men to buy guns, to stockpile them, and then to use them when they are disgruntled and there are no more solutions available to them. But I don't think they do it because this nation goes to war. I think this nation goes to war and they enact, they carry out gun violence. Uh, they both stem from the same cause. We agree they stem from the same cause. And, and, and that cause is that sort of machismo, that, that, that toughness, that desire for toughness, yeah. that desire for testosterone. Uh, that's the cause. And uh, it, it causes two things that we've talked about here. It causes needless wars and it causes blood on our own streets. But I don't think you well, can draw let's a line put this from way. the needless wars to the blood on the streets. Listen, let's put it this way. I've got a ton of testosterone. I'm not inclined to uh, exercise the, that uh, hormone. Well, but you know what I mean. Uh, I, not know, everybody right. who has testosterone, testosterone uses it that way. But guys with the, you know, I, it's it's that desire to have the biggest dick that 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 drives this. That's yeah, that's yeah. what I mean when I say testosterone. Right, and we live in a culture that reveres using the biggest dick around the globe. Right, so why not? I mean. I, I no, but see, so I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I find me a, a, a domestic terrorist or or anybody for that matter who said who will admit uh, I use a gun because my government does. I just, I don't, I don't. I'm not getting the connection between the two, other than they are both caused. Well, I'm not, by I'm the not same saying it's, I'm, I'm not saying it's part of the manifesto. What I'm saying is, is, is there's an overall climate of let's use violence to solve problems, and I don't know how, I don't know why that's. Difficult to understand, but I mean, that's that's the climate we've lived in since at least 1980. I mean, there was a period of time in which the the idea of the military industrial complex was just a a sort of a necessary evil that we kind of put up with because th- that's where we were. 
And, and so at some point, our military buildup in this country became uh, ingrained in our patriotic fervor and and solving problems right. using those weapons yeah, we'll became became something that was associated with strength resolve and masculinity right. and i'm saying that we have an entire generation of kids and people who grew up with that being the dominant attitude in politics but i mean the, the, so the, that's all i'm looking at. i'm looking at it as a right. as an influencer not necessarily as a a specific enumerated cause, uh, you know, wired into a particular shooter uh, in an anecdotal way. Do you get what yeah. I'm saying? I, I do, and I, I get what you're saying, and I respect what you're saying. I think we just disagree on uh, the effect of the nation's militaristic attitude on uh, the ownership and use of guns on our streets. I think they're both caused by the same thing, and that that is their. But connection. I mean, look at the, look at the kind of but, guns. But I see those. I see those as two different roads uh, leading from the same fork. I mean, look at the guns themselves. Look at the firearms. The the most popular firearm in this country right now are is part of the family of AR-15s. Well, um, sure, because they everybody are, wants to get a bigger gun than the other guy. Has. Yeah, well, it's yeah, not just that, a, it's, that, it's that, not just, that that escalation was natural as as natural as it was over on the military. A, a, a bigger gun that is specifically designed to look like a weapon of war. That's yes, why people love like it so one. much. Yes, exactly. Right. So shocker, uh, you know, there's a correlation between warfare. And the view that warfare is patriotic and the way to solve problems and the uh -huh. the need to buy guns, military style guns that right. look like that's something out of a goddamn movie for some guy to to uh, have under his bed uh, to protect him in, in, in case someone comes in and tries to steal his TV. I mean, that's the kind of shit that we live in right now. And that fuels the idea that every single or most, I would say a good 90% of all of the, uh, the mass shootings that we've seen going back to Sandy Hook uh, mm. have been done with AR-15s. Almost every right. single mass because, shooting has yeah. been an AR-15. Because why? Well, because that's the weapon of choice. That's the thing that is you can take out a lot of people at once. That's why. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, here's another example. Yeah. Good example. Of news coming out today of our shoot first culture. The United uh -huh. States is now going to be testing a new weapons system in the coming weeks that would have been prohibited under yes. the in Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty uh, that right. Reagan and Gorbachev signed in 1987. Uh, so, I mean, here's another example. We're, we're going to start testing nuclear missiles again in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why? I mean, Russia no, is a I'm, Russia is a I'm threat. As appalled as you are. Yeah. I mean, but, well, but, here, here's here's why because China has gotten ahead of both the U.S. and Russia, and U.S. and Russia are eager to catch up. Uh, China, excuse me, Russia had already fudged on that treaty, had already technically violated it, uh, but which prompted the Trump administration to call off the treaty entirely. Yeah. Thanks, Trump. And uh, so now the Russians are free to go even farther than they would have gone before if Trump hadn't scrapped the treaty. And now that gives the U.S. permission to go forward. No, this is this is sickening, terrible, terrible news, and I'm I'm totally with you on, on how bad that is. But that's that's why this is happening, and yeah. that's, that's what's happening. It's ingrained in our national DNA. It is part of Americanism. And and the mm, only and the only way we stop these shootings is we got it. U.S. We, exclusive. We, we got the, yeah. The, the use of nuclear weapons and and missiles are not U.S. exclusive. That's you know it it seems to be pretty well accepted in Russia and 
and, and North Korea and other places. That well, again, we're talking about a unique attitude toward uh, a, you know a shoot first, ask questions later. Uh, mentality that goes back to you know you were talking about uh, cowboy culture you're talking about uh-huh. uh, the founding of this country you're talking about how you know there are many many factors in the creation of the United States that ingrain the use of firearms into well, our DNA yeah. and so and, and that all culminates in our military industrial complex and our use of, uh, of firearms to solve problems and so it's not a shocker when people start you doing the same thing uh, on their own so that's a that's that's essentially where I'm coming from because I'm trying to I'm right. trying to dig down to find out why they do it. And yeah, the yeah. guns the guns need to be curtailed. They need we need to get these goddamn AR-15s off the streets and right. do something something reasonable at the very least to regulate guns and gun owners the way cars and drivers are regulated at the very right. fucking least. That we agree on strongly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, you know, just like with the climate crisis, right? We can do all the things that we need to do as far as preventing uh, hurricanes and and high water from damaging our coastal communities and so on. We can do the things that tackle the symptoms of the climate crisis, but at the same time, we got to stop the actual event from occurring. We have to right. re- re- reach down and, and prevent the root cause of all of this. Well, both, and we, this is, we also agree on this, both uh, weapons proliferation uh, nationally and uh, the ownership of, and, and weapons pro- proliferation locally uh, all need to be curtailed. Uh, and both are, are very frightening and both are existential existential threats. Yeah, exactly right. Well, you know what? Um, let's go back to uh, uh, Donald Trump's uh, address the other day. Yeah, you know what? I be- <laughs> before we get into that, I <laughs> just completely lost track of time. We, let's talk about plexiderm here for a second. I want to get to Donald Trump's uh, remarks from yesterday morning. A lot of a lot of All things right. to say about Donald Trump's uh, uh, speech from Monday morning. But before we dig into that, uh, let's talk about plexiderm here. And of course. The, the main thing is, and, and you know what? I, I tried this experiment the other day. I tried, I, I grabbed some hemorrhoid, <laughs> see what I do for the show. I grabbed some hemorrhoid cream from the store and I tried putting it on my, my under eye bags. Oh, don't lie. You had it in the medicine cabinet. Uh, that's okay. You, you caught me. I did. I had, because, uh, you know, because of my copious hemorrhoids. And so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I gave it a shot and you know what? It didn't work, and it wasn't fun, and it's not something that you want to do on a regular basis, even if it did work. So what you need to do is you need to go out and buy yourself some Plexiderm. And I'm not talking about days or months to to work. Plexiderm is one of those uh, solutions that works almost instantly in a matter of minutes. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates under eye bags and wrinkles in just a few minutes. I mean, literally in minutes as you're standing there in front of the mirror in your bathroom. The science- and it smells better than hemorrhoid cream, too. <laughs> it's significantly so. The science behind Plexiderm is incredible with clinical studies to back it up. If you look older and tired because of crow's feet, wrinkles or under eye bags you can look younger in just minutes with plexiderm see for yourself watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet wrinkles and under eye bags disappear those results are backed up by plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee go to tryplexiderm.com and use the coupon code SEXYLIBERAL. That's two words, all caps, sexy liberal for my discount. That's tryplexiderm.com with the code sexy liberal or call 1-800-685-1292. Hey, it's Stephanie Miller, America's original sexy liberal, if you don't count Miller Fillmore. 
Come join us for the Happy Hour podcast. You're probably already doing plenty of drinking and swearing with this stain of a president in office. Well, join me and my celebrity and comedian friends for a raunchy, uncensored ride through politics and pop culture. Pants optional. The Bob Seska Show. Seska Show. Built a town where there was no town, and the rain lit up for a few short hours. This is a new song by uh, Jesse Terry. This is a song called Woken the Wildflowers. This is a song off of his, uh, what's the name of the album? Oh, the name of the album I like it. Stargazer. As a second song that we played here from Jesse Terry, I just love this so much. Make sure to submit your music to bobseska.com slash music, and we will play some of it here in the show. And, uh, of course, we get it on to our indie music countdown that we do uh, once a month. I think we did one this past weekend. I say, I think we did one. <laughs> Not quite did. sure. It was yeah. great. <laughs> it always is. So much Highly fun. recommended. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you like the way I talk, talked up to that vocal there? That was, that was perfect. Of course, yeah. I, God, I always notice that. I always notice even that. With the del- even with the delay. I yeah, that. I, that, see, now that's what's especially impressive because there's right. like a, a three, well, maybe like a one second, one and a half second delay. So you, not as uh, long as those network TV delays, though, where there's <laughs> no. like uh, one thousand one, one thousand two, one thousand, and then the other person talks. Yeah. Well, you know. Oh, speaking of which, can I get in a word about this? I sure. had very, I had very high hopes for uh, Nora. O'Donnell. Donald. I, I was a fan of, uh, oh, I had, sorry about that. <laughs> That's your designated my, Nora O'Donnell my, my, sound. My, bis- my bicycle delivery is here. <laughs> uh, I had high hopes for the broadcast. I was a fan of CBS News when nobody else was watching it because I felt that they packed in more stories than the other networks. Yeah. Uh, they didn't waste as much time promoting what was going to be on the Olympics or what was going to be on some other time. They spent that time doing news instead, so I liked that. Uh, and I enjoyed Jeff Glora's anchor, even though no one knows who he is. Uh, but then, then they, uh, Nora O'Donnell gets the job. Very popular, beloved Nora O'Donnell. And, and I thought, well, this is great, and I start watching it. And uh, th- suddenly, they're doing more critical Trump coverage than I've seen on any network evening news broadcast before. They're calling it out. They're they're calling it like it is. Yeah. They called it racism before the other networks called it racism. Wow. Uh, as far as Trump's remarks go. I go, well, now maybe we've got something. And I thought, well, you know, power to the women. Uh, because And a lot of our lead correspondents are, are, are female as well. And they're just doing a bang-up job. And then suddenly, yesterday, Nora O'Donnell retweets or tweets, actually tweets a quote from one of her correspondents, a White House correspondent, Weijia Jiang, uh, saying uh, that the president really turned around his rhetoric. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, no, and, no. And, and I just, I, so that's it for me and Nora. Uh, I, can't, I can't continue if they're going to do that. Uh, and I just tweeted, yeah, I, I, I responded to her, uh, to Nora, and I said, I had such high hopes for you, Nora. <laughs> see, uh, see, that's yeah, why, I, that's why back in the day, Buzz, we used to refer to Nora O'Donnell as Noron. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no I, I, I get it now. But it, it, it was very promising. I was almost to the point where I was going to recommend the CBS Evening News, and yeah. then this happened. So oh, I'm, God, glad, yeah. I'm, glad I, I'm glad I didn't. Everyone's looking for the pivot still, and I don't know why that continues to happen. I mean, as soon as Donald Trump gets up and he doesn't start screaming the F word, then suddenly, uh-huh. oh, my God, Donald Trump's presidential again. But the fact is that the other conflict and how some of the uh, the TV people reacted to the president's uh-huh. remarks yesterday morning was that, you know, when Mueller had a few senior moments during his testimony, it was disaster for the Democrats. It was an optics nightmare for everyone involved. But mm-hmm. then when Donald Trump has the same thing happen during his <laughs> remarks yesterday morning, I that, know the oh, difference. yeah, he's suddenly presidential again. And we're going to completely. You wanna, what's that? You want to know the difference between the two? Okay. Ex- expectations. <laughs> Level <laughs> level of expectation. Maybe that's right? true. Yeah. We expected and hoped for a lot from Mueller, and it was not as sparkly as we hoped it would be, mm-hmm. even though it was pretty substantive. Uh, we don't expect crap from Trump. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, in this case, though, I mean, it was beyond just uh, he can't deliver a teleprompter speech to save his life. The or spell that, his name. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. But at the very end, my God, he not only referred to uh, Dayton as Toledo, but the entire end of that speech, he started to do that thing with his mouth again that yes. no one seems to be particularly concerned about. And, I, you know, again, this is one of those things where I feel like, yeah, just because there are all these other crimes, we shouldn't overlook you know, certain things in which maybe the the president is concealing some sort of health crisis or health problem. Older, well, older, older people uh, sometimes get a condition called dry mouth. Perhaps you've seen the mouthwash ads. For yeah. It. Uh, and uh, so there may have been some of that going on. Oh, there's still speculation about dentures uh, yeah. slipping uh, is a possibility. But I'm surprised there wasn't more talk also about the sniffing, the sniffling. <laughs> the uh, sniffing, too. Which is, was pointed out to me. I mean, yeah. I, I thought that was something is sort of you and I talked about. I saw a lot of mention of that on social media. People mm. were remarking heavily about uh, all the sniffing and sniffing, sniffling and, yeah. and then speculating about whether it was Coke or Adderall or, or whatever. And I thought of you uh, because <laughs> you were you were one of the first with that theory. And I was a little skeptical at first, which is so typical of me. And uh, but, it, it, you know, now I'm on board. I, I I'm with you all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what is causing it. I mean, and that's part of the mystery. <laughs> it just it what it seems like. It seems like it's more than just dry mouth. It seems like. Like it is, oh, but it doesn't kill him. Yeah, I know, but it, it seems like he was stung by a, a wasp, and his whole mouth is swelling up, or something like that. I mean, that's what it seems like. Here's uh, Donald Trump. This is the tail end of his remarks. Uh, yeah, and this includes the Toledo part. You can't necessarily hear the mouth swelling in this because he didn't do the whole Persian United States thing that he did in the Jerusalem right, speech. Right. But you can tell, especially He's after struggling. He, yeah, yeah, after he says Toledo. He gets rattled, and he doesn't know what to do after he's... And when he speaks, I don't know if it'll come through on the audio, but with the video, when he speaks, you can see he is trying as hard as he can (laughs) to get those words out. It's taking, it's taking, I'm giving it all that I've got, Captain. Uh, You know, I mean, he just can't, he's got the pedal to the metal, Mm. uh, and and it's the best he can do. It's like his tongue has swelled up, and there's nothing he can do about it. That's what what happens here. Here's uh, Trump yesterday morning in the uh, Oval Office. is the time to set destructive partisanship aside, so destructive 
and find the courage to answer hatred with unity, devotion, and love. Our future is in our control. America will rise to the challenge. We will always have, and we always will, win. The choice is ours, and ours alone. It is not up to mentally ill monsters. It is up to us. If we are able... Incidentally, there's a mentally ill monster in the White House who happens to have the nuclear codes in his pocket. Just thought I'd pass yeah. that along as we're talking about taking guns from mentally ill people. Well, there, fine, there's that, there's that too. <laughs> to pass great legislation after all of these years, we will ensure that those who were attacked will not have died in vain. May God bless the memory of those who perished in Toledo. Oh, no! May God protect no. them. May God protect all of those from Texas to Ohio. May God bless the victims and their families. May God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the, it seems like it seems like the I don't know why the audience is clapping for that, but okay. Um, it seems like he said Toledo and then went, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have said Toledo." Yes, yes, yes. I you hear that. Right after he says Toledo, you hear, and we've talked about this before yeah. in tapes of him that we've listened to before, you hear a loss of confidence in what he has just said <laughs> or what he has just read right. poorly. Now, here's the question. It, uh, it must have been written that way on the teleprompter, right? Toledo? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's and, just and, it. He doesn't and say even, anything. Even, even he knew in his gut, he didn't know what the correct answer was, but he knew that wasn't right. <laughs> and and he makes a reference sheepishly to Ohio, right. Texas and Ohio. Ohio, Ohio later because because he's pretty sure it's not Toledo. Yeah, this he's trying to do. He's trying to retcon his uh, fuck up there by <laughs> by God blessing everybody. You know, it's just like, oh shit! I said God. What did I say? God bless Toledo. Oh crap! Okay, God bless Ohio and Texas and North Dakota. And while I'm here, God bless you and the guns and everything. And then he just he just gets in this spiral and then ends with, uh, God bless America. <laughs> yes, more of a more of a question. You know, more of a yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. So, what the hell's happening there? I don't know. But as far as the prompter goes, if that was on his prompter, I go back to my theory of thinking that someone in the White House is deliberately sabotaging him with all of those misspellings and prompter gaffes. I mean, I don't rule it out. I mean, yeah. look, he's surrounded himself by unqualified people. Stephen Miller wrote that to a large degree. He wrote a lot of it, I understand, and uh, others uh, remaining nameless contributed. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, we don't know. He may have written that part or you know, any number of things are possible. Mm -hmm. I subscribe to the possibility that that somebody's screwing with him yeah. uh but but just as easily it could be just uh, the incompetence that surrounds him by his choice in the yeah. white house yeah it, it seems so rampant though you you have to kind of <laughs> tilt your head it's to the fun. side like the rca it's dog fun. And, yeah it's fun to think about it really <laughs> that's is that's right i mean sarah kensior has the theory that uh that they plan out all of these gaffes. Like, okay, let's throw Spread in a out. spelling yeah. error. Like last week, he was talking about uh, Kim Jong-un. And instead of saying mm -hmm. Chairman Kim, he started a tweet by referring to Kim Jong-un as Chairman Kim, where he uh -huh. transposed the well, R and the I in chairman. And today he spelled his own name, capital T, small t, uh, <laughs> U-M-P. So he spelled his name to tump. To tump. <laughs> 
one of my favorites. His oh, that's name. right up there with Kofefe. Yeah, his, that's his great. Own name. Yeah. Well, by the way, another note, if I may, on media sure. uh, and 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 the Trump administration, uh, because I want to, uh, just as I criticize CBS, I want to do a little defending again, please, of the New York uh, Times, which is. Not perfect, as we've discussed before. No journalist or journalistic institution is perfect, and we should not apply purity tests to them as we do, uh, just as we should not apply them to to, uh, public figures. Right, right. Uh, The New York Times took a bunch of heat for posting briefly as its banner headline online last night for today's edition, Trump urges unity versus racism making his speech sound perfectly normal. Now, people, please listen to me for a moment. This was written by a peon. This is written by a headline writer, the lowest echelon employee at the, the next to the guy who buys the ink. Writes the I mean, yeah, Assuming <laughs> Assuming they do that. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, this is about the lowest rung on the ladder. And so some flunky wrote this headline. It was very quickly replaced with the headline, a sailing hate but not guns mm. uh, which is closer better to the, to the, no. and the editor-in-chief now saying quote the headline was bad they messed up it was a small thing i saw people saying once again we've talked about this before that's it i'm canceling my subscription i'm done with the enough yeah. i'm done with the new york times no settle down they screwed up uh but as i was telling people online today no journalistic institution has done more to hold this president accountable than the New York Times. And the Washington, Washington Post, yeah. Washington Post runs a very close second. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, it's it's a neck-and-neck neck race. But but uh, they're, the be- they're the best. They're certainly one of the two best. And the, you're, the free press is a friend of the liberal, is a friend of the progressive. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's, you know, and, and again, it's not perfect. Stop applying a purity test to it because it isn't going to be that way. Uh, but they're on the right track, and the evidence uh, to back up my claim is right before you. I don't, I don't have to provide it. It's there in every issue of that paper every single day. Yep. Uh, and and so I, I, it really bothers me to see this sort of reaction. So uh, cheers and jeers, uh, jeers to CBS and uh, cheers to the New York Times <laughs> for fixing the problem and admitting that they had screwed up. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You know, and with the New York Times, again, I, I just got to repeat what you just said as far as the fact that a lot of the revelations that we've heard about the Russia reporting, I mean, these are reporters who very often put their careers, put their lives on the line in order to report mm-hmm. certain things, uh, to uh, report on uh, leaked or classified documents and so on. And You know, it's it's not the easiest job in the world. And it's not, you know, certainly the New York Times has been in business for a long time, but it's never easy to start from zero every day and to build up an entire paper from nothing, from empty pages uh, right. every day and get that out to the people and so on. So there are going to be mistakes and there are going to be things that we, we typically don't like, but as far as guilty media outlets in the world right now, <laughs> yeah, I think right. the New York Times is way down on the list. I mean, there are yeah. lots of uh, of media publications save, and so on. Yeah, save your your anger and your energy for Fox News. Okay, that's that, right. That would be my that would be my advice. That's right. So uh, going back to Trump yeah. here, Trump, uh, yeah. tr- Trump actually made it easier, despite what he was saying. One of the first things he did out of the shoot right after his inauguration was to make it easier for mentally ill yep. people to buy firearms. Yep. I think that absolutely. was literally like his first action, right, Buzz? Right I think after. So, I, 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 yeah, it's absolutely one of the very first things I remember. And 
you know, we were sort of shocked, but sort of not already at that point. And so, you know, when he, when I hear Donald Trump talking about mentally ill people and how this mentally ill person in El Paso and the other mentally ill person in Dayton did all this shooting, well, you know, have we looked into how they were able to get their firearms and were they able to circumvent the system in order to do that uh, because of this particular law that Donald Trump signed into uh, signed into law back in uh, 2017? So. Meanwhile, uh, Trump is going to try to trade. This is one of the first things out of the gate after uh, the weekend. He tweeted something along the lines of uh, how he's now going to try to trade gun control for concessions on his border racism. Because this is the solution to everything, isn't it, right? This is the way he approaches every issue. Let's hold something ransom in order to yeah. get uh, fulfillment on his racist policies. And this in particular, yeah. where you've got an acolyte of Donald Trump who's using the same kind of language in his essay slash manifesto mm. uh, about invasions. Uh, and so Donald Trump is tackling this issue by linking up more racism to it. How about that? Yeah, he, try, he, he tried. He may again, uh, and I tell people, pay more attention to his tweets than to his what he reads off a teleprompter yeah. because the tweets speak more to the guy. I'll tell you uh, from what we know that uh, Trump's immediate circle was shocked to read the tweet that connected uh, border issues to they didn't know that was coming wow it, it wasn't it, they'd been working on this speech all weekend and there was no talk of this and then suddenly they got up and they tweeted this that that you know maybe we can tie a uh, gun control and and uh, you know border security together or whatever yeah, it was yeah. He said. well so this uh, way it, nobody nobody saw nobody saw this coming <laughs> and uh, so and then and then two two hours later he turns around and says nothing about this in his speech nope so he he tweets, he tweets, this is what we ought to do. And then two hours later, he says, no, this is what we ought to do. So there you have it. fucking believable You know, the, uh, the award for the stupidest excuse goes to Steve Bannon this week, who, uh, when he was talking about 2020 on the radio with Corey Lewandowski uh, yesterday. <laughs> oh, but that's, I bet that's a fun show. <laughs> yeah. His take on the El Paso shooting was, what they're attacking is the Trump economic miracle. And you say, well, how do you... How do you figure yeah. that, Mr. Bannon? How does, how can you possibly frame that as being a, an attack on Donald Trump's economic prosperity? And well, he explained, it's because of Trump's economic miracle that people were shopping in Walmart. And so that's why they're dead. Because someone was shooting at people who were taking advantage of Donald Trump's economic prosperity, his quote unquote economic miracle. That was Steve Bannon's explanation for why that shooting took place, despite the reality that we have an entire essay written by the shooter enumerating all of it. All of it about yeah. the invasion and about how he hates Mexicans and it's it's horrible for the United States. Just mimicking everything that Donald Trump has said in that manifesto. And but no, yeah. Steve Bannon said, "Well, no, you know what? No, that shooter. No, he was totally against Trump. He was totally a liberal. He was a liberal shooting at Trump's economic prosperity. That's what he was doing." I I don't think Steve Bannon's audience is as big as it once was. And uh, but but the sad part is that we both agree on is that. Uh, but the people listening to him will believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's the terrifying part. I don't know how those two guys, Lewandowski and uh, Steve Bannon, ended up escaping <laughs> prison, but there you go. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll go on the road together or something. 
Meanwhile, I think Trump's going to try to go to uh, Dayton and El Paso uh, at some point in the next couple of days, which I guess yeah. they need. I don't pa- know. We'll see. I guess yeah. they need paper towels down there. So he's swinging <laughs> into action. But you know what? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. even the Republican mayor of El Paso, uh, who's a Trump supporter, uh, knows that. Uh, their city is uh, anti-Trump at this point, and uh, the mayor said, uh, "You know, I'll I'll meet my mayoral obligations to meet with the president of the United States. I'll but to call it an obligation." <laughs> and then and then and then the the, the uh, mayor of Dayton said, "We have not heard from the White House. We don't know if he's coming. Yeah. For all I know, he's going to Toledo." Yeah, it'd be so hilarious if he did show up in Toledo. Uh, and of course, they went, well, he's just being presidential. Um, yeah. But, you know, right. meanwhile, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Trump actually still owes the city of El Paso $569,204. Oh, yeah. From a campaign rally back in February. And so he wants to go to El Paso. Well, he he might as well bring a, a check with him and pay back he owes El Paso. Money, he, owes, he owes money to Orlando. He owes money to Washington, D.C. Yeah. His campaign owes money all over the country. And we've got to be talking about millions of dollars at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And he just keeps getting away with it. It's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And what he does here is he uh, racks up these debts. And then he waits until it's almost time for a lawsuit, and then he settles for pennies on the dollar. That's how Donald Trump operates. That because the art of the deal, ladies yep, and gentlemen, that's the, exactly right. the aristocrats. Yes, in fact, I think that is in the art of the deal. I think that thing, because then I mean, if you can settle for thirty cents on the dollar, why pay the full amount back, right? This is the kind of scam artist he is, for God's sake. Yeah, oh, the worst. Uh, well, the tweet of the week. I have to award a yes. tweet of the week. This, I thought, was a really, really solid uh, a piece of thinking here. Yes. Guy, a guy named Ryan Scott on Twitter tweeted this. He said, Fox News did to our parents what they thought video games would do to us. <laughs> I thought wow. that was awesome. That's and very perfect. profound. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, last week on the show, uh, you asked... What powers impeachment gives Congress that they don't normally have? Yes. And because because I didn't know, I made a joke out of it and said, I don't know. I have the answer. And for your Patreon subscribers, uh, I'll give it in the postmortem show. Oh, outstanding. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to hear that answer. Uh, Plus, we're going to talk about, you know, something I want to talk about, Buzz, uh, during the postmortem show coming up on our Patreon page is uh, I have a theory about Donald Trump and the stock market. That I want to get into, and I'm just now beginning to actually do the uh, the limited amounts of research that I can actually that I'm actually able to do, given the fact that most of Donald Trump's financial records are secret, and right. we're not but allowed be, to see them. You may be onto something. I want to hear the details. Yeah, yeah. But there's a uh, as far as I'm concerned, I have this theory that there's a linkage between the fate of the stock market and <laughs> Donald Trump's uh, trade war combined with his own financial success or failure as the case may be so we're going to talk about that coming up on the postmortem show that of course is on our patreon page hey make sure to support this independent podcast by subscribing on our patreon page just one dollar a month you'll barely notice it five dollars a month will start to get you some free shows every day including our postmortem show ten dollars a month will get you a postmortem should get the two postmortem shows and the after party so we're giving you lots of cool stuff uh, in exchange for your membership but if you want to just sign up for one dollar a month go for it you can uh, access the comments section on the page you can post things in our community tab that's lots of fun too 
Uh, meanwhile, support Buzz Burbank. News and comment every damn Thursday. The best newscast you're going to hear all week. BuzzBurbank.com. RealmNetwork.com. Also, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael J. Elston. That's on Twitter. Uh, meantime, Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. This show is part of it. SexyLiberal.com. You got Jody Hamilton's From the Bunker Podcast, Stephanie Miller's Happy Hour, Randy Rhodes After Hours, Dino Badala, John Fugelsang, Frangela, Rude Punnett, uh, Dana Goldberg, Proud Resistor, a cast of thousands. Make sure to uh, support the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Thank you so much. Postmortem show coming up next, folks. See you there. Bye bye. Hey, it's Stephanie Miller, America's original sexy liberal, if you don't count Miller Fillmore. <laughs> Come join us for the Happy Hour podcast. You're probably already doing plenty of drinking and swearing with this stain of a president in office. Well, join me and my celebrity and comedian friends for a raunchy, uncensored ride through politics and pop culture. Pants optional.